I would like to welcome Professor Alberico Catapano, well-known expert in the field of atherosclerosis, Director of the Center of Epidemiology and Preventive Pharmacology, Director of the Laboratory of Lipoproteins, Immunity and Atherosclerosis, as well as Director of the Center for Study, Prevention and Therapy of Atherosclerosis at the University Milan and Multimedica IRCCS Milan, Italy. Thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. We are talking a few days after the 19th Congress of the European Atherosclerosis Society held in your hometown, Milan. At first, I would like to congratulate to the greatly successful event. As Congress Chair and Co-Chair of the Scientific Program Committee, how did you see the event from inside and which were the most important highlights? Well, first of all, the most important thing was, was the first meeting in person after the COVID pandemic. So uh, all the people was happy to be there. And there were a lot of people, especially young people coming to the meeting. The main uh, um, issues that were addressed there and the most novel approaches are, first of all, uh, we had uh, a number of uh, late breaker presentation with novel therapy, especially those of small, based on ASO and small interfering RNAs. So there were highlights on new drugs, including drugs like Enclisiran, Olansonorsen, and others that are aimed at uh, be long lasting and uh, decreasing the levels of the target lipid. Some of them are on hypertriglyceridemia, some of them are on hypercholesterolemia. The second are two points that are related to uh, the question, fundamental question that will have to be reflected sooner or later in the future guidelines, APOB versus LDL cholesterol. Data were presented showing that APOB outperforms LDL cholesterol in causal study as well as in randomized clinical studies. So I think this is something that has emerged very strongly from our meeting. Third, least but not last, if you will, is uh, the preview of our consensus on LPLA uh, that is changing the game there because LPLA has been uh, uh, embedded in the global risk, giving raise to the point that uh, there is no standard level above which we have an increased risk, but the risk contribution by LPLA likewise with LDL or blood pressure is related to the global risk of the patient. This uh, uh, consensus will be presented officially at the European Society of Cardiology, the last day of the meeting, and uh, will be published the same day, uh, 29th of August. You are past president of the European Atherosclerosis Society, chairman of the Educational and Guidelines Committee, and most importantly for our conversation, you are chairman of the EES-ESC guidelines for the management of dyslipidemia. Fittingly, at the Congress, you were the moderator of the ESC-EES joint session discussing the new prevention guideline. In your opinion, are the 2019 dyslipidemia guideline and the 2021 prevention guideline consistent in terms of cardiovascular risk estimation for the parameters assessed? Um. I think uh, uh, we need to underline the large overlapping of those uh, guidelines in terms of goals with the LDL and uh, uh, the story of uh, uh, therapy. Now, uh, the only slight difference, so all the goals have remained the same, uh, very high risk, 
uh, high risk, etc. Please bear in mind that those are not dyslipidemia specific guidelines. Those are global guidelines for prevention, which is a different story. So uh, if I may, I will recommend our colleagues to follow the dyslipidemia guidelines when they talk about lipids. There is no contrast with the other guidelines. The only important things is the way you can stratify the risk of the people because of the new score systems that have been introduced with these uh, uh, global prevention guidelines. And I think this is a, a good improvement as compared to the previous score. So that should be followed. Using non-HDL may not be uh, easy for some people. However, uh, it's a step forward uh, in introducing the concept of uh, the total burden of apoB containing lipoproteins. If you stay here at the cardiovascular risk estimation, do you recommend the use of additional non-invasive imaging like carotid ultrasound in asymptomatic individuals with cardiovascular risk to fully clarify risk status? You see, the point is, uh, no matter how good we are in detecting risk factors, measuring them, how good we are with genetics as well, uh, with the polygenic scores and you name it, in the end, what makes the difference is individual susceptibility. So anything that will tell us that the given patient is developing atherosclerosis will uh, somehow uh, make us more comfortable in terms of stratifying uh, people and the consequent intervention. So anything that tells us about the status of the arteries of those patients would be important. What I would recommend if you were to look in periphery, like a carotid artery or uh, other uh, peripheral arteries, then uh, please look for plaques. Don't look for thickness of the arterial wall because this is not really something that is easy to measure first and second that you can rely upon because it depends very much on uh, the people running the uh, uh, evaluation so presence of plaque yes that will uh, give a further uh, important step in order to classify the very high risk people based on the da vinci study presented last year LDSE target enablement rates based on the 2016 and 2019 dyslipidemia recommendations are poor both for primary and secondary prevention in the European countries. What do you think? Which factors might be behind the low attainment rates? Hmm. Uh, I wish I knew. Uh, the problem is uh, it's multifaceted. It's not a single individual uh, reason for which patients are not taken to goal. Uh, what I can say is certainly uh, part of the responsibility is with the physicians. Today we are talking to physicians, so I think we need to recognize we are responsible, at least in part, for that because we don't teach the patient the proper concept that therapy, lowering LDL is important, much more important than taking care of other things that are trivial and for the cardiovascular risk, obviously, and LDL is causal. So if you reduce LDL, you get a benefit. However, we need to teach the patient that they have to stay on therapy because if you reach a goal or you decrease your uh, factor, that doesn't mean if you stop the therapy uh, that will stay down. And that's uh, something that patients do not understand many times. So you have to keep continuing therapy if you start for lifelong. Uh, 
physicians need to be convinced of what they say and trusting what they say and making the patient trust the evidence. And that's, in my view, the responsibility the physician can take care of. The rest is related to surroundings, to communication, to other things that are out of control of physician. But if we were to start doing our job properly, I think at least part of this problem will be solved. What do you think, how can we increase the list attainment rates, specifically in the high and very high risk of cardiovascular group? I mean, uh, um, again, uh, it's just a matter of conveying the right messages and also uh, of talking between uh, different specialists and general practitioners. Uh, when a patient has an acute event that goes for a PCI or whatever is needed for the acute coronary syndrome, uh, and then is released. And when it's released, is the nowhere area. Some cardiologists look at them after a few months and then uh, they go back to their general practitioners. Sometimes they go back to specialized centers where this epidemia is very uh, aggressive in those patients. Nevertheless, this conjunction is not working quite well. So the patient feels lost and they feel well after the intervention. So they want to go back to their life. So what I think is this disconnect between the cardiologist or the people taking care of people having had an acute coronary syndrome and uh, the general health system that needs to be reshaped. If you turn uh, towards the field of therapy, do you consider add-on lipid lowering therapy to be appropriate or do you recommend starting combination lipid lowering therapy like statin plus azetimibe immediately in patients at very high risk? In a similar fashion, like in hypertension treatment, you know, has changed from starting monotherapy to combination therapy in, in recent years. Uh, are there any changes to be expected in future guidelines regarding the initiation of lipid lowering therapy? I mean, uh, it, it makes clinical sense to start association therapy in many, 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 if not all patients for two reasons. One, you can keep a bit lower the dose of a statin. And second, you can achieve a larger reduction of LDL. That will spare some unwanted uh, adverse events uh, with the statins and will uh, be more likely to take you to goal. Having said that, uh, the problem is uh, related to the level of evidence when you write guideline. So we need to understand that there are some barriers when you write a guideline as compared to the clinical practice. To be honest, in, my, in our lipid clinic, what we do, we make a rapid calculation how far uh, the patient is from the goal. And if he's more than 50% away from the goal, we immediately start with combination immediately. In some patients with familial hypercholesterolemia, this is possible in Italy. I don't know in other countries. We even start with three drugs, statin, azetamibe, and PCSK9 inhibitors. And they start from 400 of LDL cholesterol. There's no way. And if the combination therapy is recommended, as you just said, how can patient's adherence be improved if he has to take more tablets? You know, in many countries, uh, combination therapy, statin plus azetamibe is available as a single pill. So that will not be a larger burden in terms of number of pills to be taken because still will be one. So I don't think that will affect if you were to use that. Certainly if you have to add another pill on the top of another, 
this might result in some disaffection, if you will, of the patient. But there are these pre-constituted combination therapies which are perfect. The two most prominent cardiovascular risk factors are hypertension and hypocholesterolinemia, which are linked in their pathomechanism. Uh, can we expect to see a greater emphasis in future guidelines on the combined management of these two risk factors like is it the principles, for example, of this international polycap study, which was led by Salim Yusuf, and it was so yeah. successful? You see, the, 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 I had a lot of discussion with Salim, uh, Professor Yusuf Salim, that is uh, uh, related uh, to the fact that when you put many principles in the same pill, in the end, you don't know what happens uh, if you have an adverse event. Uh, so I'm very favorable to combination therapy per type of therapy. I'm a little bit less under those circumstances. However, what uh, Professor Yusuf is proposing is a different story. He's proposing low dose of several drugs in a sort of preventive medicine, uh, treating people not at very high risk or high risk, but more or less the average population at a relatively high risk, but not too high. And that may make sense, especially in countries where the availability of those drugs is very poor and where achieving going to the doctor and things like that is very, very difficult and is precluded to many people. Let's talk of the African uh, continent, many countries there where it's not easy to go uh, to the physician and to get the medication. But that would be more, in my view, appropriate as a starting therapy for people at moderate risk in a primary prevention, if you will. And uh, later stage when you, let's say, uptitrate your patients and you already use statine uh, and azetimibe, but you have to add an antihypertensive drug, would you use a combination treatment or just an add-on you know, uh, other pill? The problem with the, with the antihypertensive drug is uh, uh, when it's getting hot, you need to down titrate and yes. then you need to change all the scheme. Um, I, I, I mean, for some, uh, you know, paradoxically, albeit people is concentrating on adverse events of statins. Statins are very easy to use as compared to drugs for lower blood pressure. Uh, statin works in almost everyone, blood pressure lowering drugs. 50 to 60 percent of the people will have a, a good response. The others are likely not. During summer, you need to adjust the therapy because you risk hypotension. You know, it's more complex. So putting everything in the same pill, uh, albeit is theoretically of interest, and if you use a low dose, might work. But then when you need to scale up, it's going to be a problem, in my view. When we talked about the low attainment rates in the Da Vinci study, you also mentioned the role of the patients. So how important is patient education? What do you think? And is it worth confronting patients with the concept uh, of vascular age and with their own vascular age? Yes, indeed. That's the, the, the only way to convince them. And the best way to convince them, besides the fact if they get a myocardial infarction, they are convinced by definition, but you can show the status of their vessels. Uh, so that, that helps quite a lot to convince patients who are reluctant to be treated. Uh, discussion with patients is the issue. Uh, physicians are really uh, overwhelmed 
by the pre, by the fact that they have to visit many people short times for the visits i mean in 10 15 minutes it would be almost impossible to talk to them and explain things and that's the limitation education of patients obviously is important but i think it's more important even to empower them in the sense that to have some other ways of instructing them about the uh, safety and uh, benefit of this kind of therapies in order for them to go to the physician and ask a doctor do i need to lower my cholesterol doctor do i need to check for my blood pressure going there and asking instead of being forced into a therapy thank you very much for the conversation and once again congratulations to the great congress thank, thank you, you.